pray that we uh, honor and uh, remember uh, the men and women who've given their life uh, in the defense of our country. Uh, But our tradition here at, at Calvary is we remember the veterans who are not any longer with us. Um, and we have several who've been part of our uh, church over the years. Um, and so I'm going to, uh, you'll see their names up there. Uh, and then after I read the last name, Brother Daniels can play taps. And when taps plays, I'll ask that we stand together and we'll have a moment of silence. John Atkins. John Baxley, Bud Blankenship, J.T. Boutwell, Donald Cook, James Cox, Jr., Oscar Culpepper, Preston Dollar, William Dowdney, Andrew Forrest, Harold Harper, Wilmer Hatcher, Frank Hetty, Oscar Hobbs, William T. Hobbs, Jack Hughes, Edward Hunt, Gary Jones, Gordon Jordan, Don Kahili, Walter Kahili, Joe Maudlin, Emmett Mulkey, John S. Peacock, Ralph Peeler, Mike Peralt, Don Porter, Harold Powell, Grant Ratliff, Robert Reese, Jack Rickenbacker, Mitchell Russell, Earl Sams, Dennis Shelton, Noah Thacker, George Tobias III, Lemuel Walden, Mason Webb, Joe Weldon, Charlie Williams, Hamp Williams, Raymond Williams, John Woodham, Richard Yancey. If you'll stand. Uh, please, and we'll have just a moment of silence, and then after just a minute, I'm going to ask Brother Alfie Jelks if you'll 
pray for us. Let's uh, remember the families of those that have lost loved ones, but let's also pray for the men and women who are fighting for us. Now, our world's a dangerous place right now, and uh, I'm thankful we have uh, some men and women who are willing uh, to keep us free and safe. Uh, so if you'd be willing to do that, Brother Alfie, I'd appreciate it. All right, Brother Danny. Seated, please. We do, although Memorial Day is, uh, you know, we think of it as time when summer vacations start, when we have some cookouts and grills, and finally the watermelons are ready for eating, and uh, all those kind of things. Uh, but as we've already made mention, that the only reason that we're able to do those things is because of uh, some men and women that loved our nation and loved freedom and were willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice for 
for our freedom. And so we need to always remember uh, the, the freedom that we enjoy was bought by a selfless sacrifice of, of many men and women who willingly laid their lives down for a cause greater than themselves. So we, we do enjoy a lot of freedom as Americans. Our country is far from perfect. Uh, we have our share of problems. In fact, sometimes it seems we have more than our fair share. And if we're honest, most of them are our own making. We, we Our own worst enemies, aren't we? Uh, and that's true of us as individuals, too. Oftentimes we are our own worst enemies. We do all right if we just get ourselves out of the way. Um, and so... Uh, but I, I think that we would be remiss if we didn't remind ourselves that as great a freedom that we enjoy as Americans uh, is, we have an even greater freedom in Christ, knowing uh, Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior gives us a freedom that is even greater. Um, and that's because of what Jesus did for us. You know, Christ has... Uh, and his church has endured a lot of persecution. Uh, and it seems like, especially if you watch the news and are aware of the things going around the world, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse, if anything. Uh, an organization that's called Open Doors uh, USA uh, brings attention to Christian persecution around the world and tells us that uh, there's a little graphic here that uh, this organization put out. Uh, over 200,000 Christians are persecuted for their faith uh, every year. Every month, hundreds of churches are attacked or destroyed. We didn't have to worry about our church not being here. When we, we didn't have to worry about soldiers from Fort Benning surrounding our church with machine guns and tanks and not letting anyone in. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in these lands, but we also need to realize that we must stand against persecution and in the face of persecution, however it might present itself. And I can tell you that our nation was founded on Christian principles, uh, though many would want to deny that. Uh, it, it is historical fact that every signer of the Declaration of Independence, except for one, was a member of a local church. Now, that means they were all evangelical. No, but God was at least on their radar. And so we need to understand that, and for many years, this nation has some, some Christian roots that we're straying away from. And we need to realize that and get back closer uh, to the Lord. And it starts by us individually. Um, and where I was going with that is that the day is not far off, I think, in our nation, if we're not careful, where it may be legal to preach the gospel. It's hard for us to imagine not being able to have God's word. But there's places all around the world where it's illegal to have this book. And yet we have free access to it, but do we spend as much time reading it as we ought to? Or do we take it for granted like we take our freedom for granted? You know, 
Look at those that are willing to die for their faith. Those in places like India and in the Middle East where, you know, becoming a Christian, giving your life to Christ and declaring publicly, I've decided to follow Jesus, means sometimes you lose your job, lose your family, lose your house, lose your standing in the community. And yet people are willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Why? Because they understand that Jesus Christ gives something greater than any of that. And it's in those places where persecution seems to be ramping up that the church is growing the most. Why is it? Because those people are real believers. They made a conscious decision to follow Christ. And they make that decision every day. So, I want to suggest to us, as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica to encourage them in the midst of persecution how that they endure difficulty and press on being the hands of Jesus. And I think we need to hear that same message because just as the church in Thessalonica lived in a hostile culture, we live in a hostile culture. And so we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before uh, and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time do we use flattering words, as you know, nor cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you uh, not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. We are witnesses, and God also, how devotely and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and his glory. Paul writes this letter uh, to a church that was... Again, in a hostile realm, people were were questioning uh, the Apostle Paul that founded the church. Uh, and so Paul reminds us some important things uh, about our relationship with God 
and who we're called to be. And so we want to look at a few of those this morning. And the first thing that I want us to see from reading the scripture is that the gospel is not self-serving. The gospel is not about what you get out of it. Do you get something out of the gospel? Yeah, you do. Do you get something out of church? Yeah, you do. I hope you do. I think you do or else you wouldn't come. But the gospel is not to make you feel good. The gospel is not to so you pat yourself on the back. The gospel is not to make a profit. It's not to make your life easy. That one of Paul Paul wrote this letter. It's probably one of the the first or one of the first letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. In fact, it's probably one of the first parts of the New Testament that was written. The book of Acts tells us that Paul made it to Thessalonica because they ran him out of town somewhere else. The city to the east called Philippi. We know there's a church there. We have a letter, a letter to the Philippians. The people had beaten him and Paul was imprisoned on there and on numerous other occasions and he was tossed out of town and so they were they left Philippi under that kind of cloak of persecution and ended up in Thessalonica there they uh, met some other believers Uh, the book of Acts tells us that Paul stayed just a little while and then things began to heat up a little bit and people because when Jesus makes a difference in your life, and you've committed to living your life for the Lord, Satan doesn't like that. When you're out living for the world, and you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, you're not doing those things that God would have you do, and you're not working to grow closer to the Lord, the devil doesn't have to worry about you. You're doing his work for him. But the minute that you say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to get my life back on track, you become a blip on Satan's radar. And so you can be assured that if you are following Christ, you're going to have troubles. Now, troubles are a part of life. We all have troubles. Christians have troubles. Non-Christians have troubles. That's, it's a part of life. But we all know that there's times when it sure seems like following the Lord. (laughs) You know, we we wonder, we say, you know, is it worth it? Well, the answer is yes, it is always worth it. And that's why people are willing to to die, That why they're willing to say, all right, family, if you don't want anything to do with me, okay. We need to understand that the gospel is not self-serving. Paul says, listen, I came to you not for what I got out of it. He reminded, hey, listen, I've been beaten and imprisoned. They ran me out of Philippi. I came and I worked among you. And and so it wasn't by uh, to make a profit. Just like today, there's a lot of charlatans out there. Uh, You know, some... 
claim to be Christian, you know, and it's, I, they talk more about loading line in their pockets than about the gospel. And that's probably a good indicator you ought to listen to them. Jesus said, if somebody is preaching the gospel, let them alone. Because they're working on the same team. But if they're preaching themselves, that's not the gospel. They're preaching Jesus, okay, but if they're preaching them, say, okay, leave them on the sidewalk where you found them. It's on TV, change the channel. The gospel is not self-serving. If it was, Paul, he was from a wealthy family. He had a high position in the Jewish synagogue. And you know what he says in his letter to the Philippians? All those things that I thought I'd accomplished in life, I count as dung. Refuse. In other words, they don't matter at all. He says, what matters is my relationship with Christ. And that relationship with Christ isn't my doing. And it's not your doing. The good news of the gospel is we can't get to heaven on our own making. But God loves us so much that he made a way for us. And so that brings me to the second thing that I want us to find. This, but the gospel is not self-serving. Rather, we're called to be self-giving. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world he gave. Paul said, I came, not only did I preach the gospel to you, but I gave my life. In other words, I shared life with you. I made you a part of of who I was. I pray for you. You're important to me. It wasn't just that he popped into town, held a tent revival, and then popped out of town, never to be heard again, except when it was time to collect some checks at the end of the month. He said, I gave. Why did he give? Because Christ had given all, hadn't he? Jesus said in the Gospels, no greater love has this than a man is willing to lay his life down for his friends. Jesus is the greatest example of self-giving. And if Jesus, who was Lord of Lords and King of Kings, didn't flaunt that he was king. In fact, he came as a lowly carpenter and a servant. How much more are we to reflect that attitude and that model? So often, and it is, it's in our culture, man, it's we need to understand that we're not called to be consumers. We live in a very consumeristic culture. But church, in church, we are not to be consumers. 
we're to be producers. We're to be the ones that take this good news of Christ, just like Paul took the gospel to Philippi and to Thessalonica and to Rome, and all around he went. Why? Because that's what God called him to do. He said, Lord, where whatever you call me to do, as long as you go with me, I'll go wherever you want me to go. It might be Washington, D.C. It might be City Hall. It might be the hair salon. It might be the grocery store. It might be Africa. It might be Alabama. That's Wherever it might be, Lord, if you go with me, I'll go. That is what Christ calls for us to be willing to do. Paul said, how do you know if the salvation is real? Because that salvation is not about you. You see, when you become a Christian, when you give your life to Christ and God makes you new, every one of us is born in this world with the same kind of gene. You want me to tell you, it's not Levi's. It's the gene of selfishness. Every single one of us has it. And every once in a while, we all still, even as sanctified Christians, we still let it out every once in a while, don't we? Nobody had to teach you how, as a child, to demand your toy and not let anybody else play with it, did they? Selfishness comes naturally to all of us. But can I tell you that self-giving only comes from Christ? When Christ comes into your life, that selfishness now has a competitor. Christ calls us to give. Why? Because love gives. Love shows us. See, if, if our relationship with Christ is all about us taking, and then we really don't have a relationship with Christ. We've put ourselves on an idle stand. But if we were to say, you know what, what can I do to help others? How can I take the hope that Jesus has given me, how can I help others find that? That's how you know you've gotten the real thing. When we come to the point where we realize it's not all about it, now, do we get benefit out of it again? Yes, we do. And boy, we could spend, we could stay through lunch today. Talking about how good God has been and the blessings that he's given us. And we all are very blessed. But every blessing that God has given you and every ability that God's given you, every everything that God has given you, he's given to you so you can share it with others. The last thing that I want us to point out, the gospel is not self-serving, it's not about us. It's about us being willing to give ourselves away. But the last thing I want to see this morning is that our testimony 
must be Jesus honoring. You can tell a lot about a person by listening to who they lift up. If every sentence out of their mouth starts with I, 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 the most important thing in their life is not Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. He said, listen, you are his children. You are God's children. I love the imagery that Paul uses here. He talks Earlier, he talks about moms and then dads at the end. Mothers tend to be more nurturing. Fathers kind of give the direction. And, uh, but notice what he says, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into your own kingdom. That's not what it says, is it? To your own glory. That's not what it says. It says, who has called you into His kingdom for His glory. So does your glory in your kingdom look more like yours, or does it look more like God's? God desires for it to look a whole lot more like His than it does yours. So that when we do stand before that those pearly gates, if you will, will hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. But some will get there and they'll stand and they'll say, well, you came medium rare. Now, some of you may like your steaks medium rare if you do stay away from me. I don't want to see it. But you, you eat it and get salmonella if you want. But uh, and I'll come to the hospital and pray over you. Um, but... But I don't like it well done either. But but there are some Christians that are going to end up in heaven medium rare. They're going to get there just by the skin of their teeth. I'm thankful that they'll be there. But how much better for it would they say, Lord, I'm finally home. This is my reward. So our testimony must be Jesus honoring, not self-honoring. I don't want to just make it. I want to live my life, and I want our church to live its life, and I want you as your pastor to live your life. In such a way that I won't have to lie at your funeral and people won't have to wonder, was he really saved? Was she really saved? That they'll know where you're at. They'll know that you're at the feet of Jesus. And the reason they'll know that is because not only were you saved, but you served the Lord. And now you've found your reward. So friends, what's it going to be? Well done or medium rare. The choice is yours. And yours alone. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Thank you for how you save us and change us, Lord. Thank you that you love us so much that you gave yourself for us.
whosoever would call upon the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. Lord, if there's someone here today that's never really made that decision, help them today to receive that great gift. Lord, maybe there's some of us here today that this message is just meant to be an encouragement or a challenge to us to remind ourselves that even in the midst of difficulty, we are called to be faithful to you. Lord, so many things in this world pull us away. So many things get us discouraged, and we want to give up. But Lord, help us remember that only those that finish the race win the prize. Lord, help us to live our life in such a way that when people know us, when they look at us, when they interact with us, they see you rather than us. That's our prayer, Lord. Help us to be your hands and feet as we serve you in this world that we might all hear, well done, good and faithful church. Help us, we pray. Let's stand together if God spoke to your heart.